Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Ladies Night. I have Stephanie Shu on the show, and you have a whole bunch of things to be very excited about, but oh my, everything, everywhere, all at once. It's very exciting to be able to say this with such confidence so early in the year, but there is no possibility that at the end of 2022, this movie is not one of my absolute favorite movies of the year. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm sure you're hearing that nonstop. (laughs) It's not a bad thing to hear. You know, there are worse things that could be hurteth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first order of business on ladies night is we play dicey questions. Ooh. I have a dice tower behind me. I've got eight random questions for you. And whatever three things are rolled for you, that's where we start. Okay. Here we go. Starting off with a number eight. Number eight is game show. If you could be on the game show of your choice, what show would it be? And could you win it? Okay, I don't know if this counts as a game show, but Hot Ones? Yes, it does. Okay, good. Yeah, I would do Hot Ones. And would I win? I think there's no winning. I think everyone just comes out losing. (laughs) Would you get Um, to the end of the hot sauces, though? You know, I think I could. I think I, I think I could. I'm extremely competitive and I think I'm pretty good at games, but I would probably drop dead after the first one. (laughs) You don't like spicy food? No, I don't. I just do not have the palate for that. That's okay. We still accept you for who you are. (laughs) Thank you. I do like uh, sugar cookies and mezcal. So again, we're in, we're in good situation here. All right. Roll number two for you. We are going with a number five. This is one of my favorite ones. This is high-low. Can you give us one audition high and one audition low and then tell us how you overcame that low and what you learned from it? Oh, I like that. Okay. Um, I think my audition high would probably have to be for Everything Everywhere. Um, Obviously, I got to do a lot for the movie, but I just remember 
so much of what we even played with with the character of Jobu didn't even end up in the film because we really unleashed a lot of crazy. And I remember specifically there was this moment during the callback with the Daniels where they made me unleash the Jobu and I like put my butt against a wall and it like shook the entire wall. <laughs> and I remember a painting being like after, which felt apropos to the movie, but um, it was pretty crazy. So that was really fun. Um, and um, an audition low. I do remember when I was first starting out, um, I went into a commercial audition and they asked me to put on an Asian accent. And I, I walked out, I was like, I'm sorry, but this is not for me. Um, and I remember being in the, the waiting room and seeing other Asian people. And I was like, are you okay with this? Am I just crazy? Or, I mean, do you feel comfortable with this? And I remember an actor telling me like, I feel like I have no choice because I just need a job. And I said to him, I was like, you don't need to make yourself feel humiliated in order to get a job. And I hope, I, I wish you the best of luck. I hear you. And I hope this never happens to any of us again. Good on you for walking out. I know that can be a scary thing to do, especially when you're first starting out. Yeah. If you don't walk out, then you don't change anything. Yeah, totally. <sighs> All right. One more roll for you on the tower. Okay. All right, we're wrapping this up with a number six. Oh, that's perfect. What was the best rap gift you've ever received? But also I need to know what was the rap gift on Everything Everywhere? <laughs> there were so many gifts. Okay, I think the best rap gift I ever received was from James Hong, um, who plays my grandfather, or yeah, my grandfather, Gong Gong, in Everything Everywhere. Listen, I've worked on amazing projects. It's not like this one is just the only one, but obviously it's very, very special. Um, and it's very fresh on my mind. But um, he gave me, the, he gave everybody pictures of himself and signed. Um, and he gave me a photograph of him from Big Trouble Little China. And he signed it, Stephanie, I will drink your blood, James Hong. <laughs> It's amazing. I love that so much. Like only James Hong could whatever. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't, but it was amazing. I, I hope that is prominently displayed in your house somewhere. Yes. I love that. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the meat of it now. I always like hearing about this from everybody. What is the movie, the performance, personal experience, you name it, that first made you say, I have to be an actor and nothing else? Yeah. Wow. You know, I think it's taken me a long time to have that feeling. Um, I feel like I've felt, I don't know, I guess I just have felt um, really surprised all along the way that I, that I get to do this. But I will say that um, there was one year where I was doing a show called Be More Chill on Broadway. And at the same time, I was filming um, season three of Maisel and doing eight shows a week and shooting a TV show and doing press for the musical, which is, I never expected to see myself on Broadway, nor did I ever expect to see myself in a period piece on television. Um, so I think that was the year where I really just felt like, okay, I'm, I'm really doing this, you know, and I'm, I'm strong enough to do all of it at once. And, um, it was really hard, but 
uh, it really, yeah, it really ignited some kind of internal strength in me. So with that in mind, is, is that maybe part of the reason why you opted to go to school to study your craft rather than just getting out there? Just, you know, those, those nerves of can I do it early on and, and being able to explore and learn in that kind of structured setting? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, honestly, I didn't even know that a person could be a full, an actual actor. Like that felt so far away from me. And I also didn't even know I could go to college for it until an upperclassman when I was in high school, like took me aside and he said, you know, I really think you should think about studying this in school. And so I feel like my career has been like that thus far, where I call them my guardian angels, where they just open doors that I didn't even know existed. Um, so I think I went to go study because I was, when I was in high school, when I was a kid, I, I didn't even think being an actor was possible. I just was passionate about making, but I had no idea that that could be an, a real career. And so I think I went to study it just because it was the thing that I was most passionate about. And I, I had no skills other than doing school plays. Like I had never really gone to any traditional training before. Um, so that just felt like the easiest next progression. And even when I was in school, I, I didn't, um, I didn't think I was going to be a commercial actor. I wanted to just do experimental theater forever. <laughs> Just curious. I feel like I'm projecting my own film school experience on you now, but you know, you, you go in and I'm sure there's nerves, especially like you're going to one of the best programs for acting out there. Was there ever a point early on in your studies there where you started to, I don't know, like doubt yourself, like, is this the right path for me? Can I make it through this program? And if that ever happened, how'd you kind of, you know, pull it together and, and really believe in yourself and your ability to go the distance? Oh my gosh. You know, it's so funny. I feel like the older that I get, the more um, nervous I get. Because when I was in my teens, my 20s, I think I was just bulldozing left and right. And I was fearless because I had no, there was no career, you know, there was no map. And I was just trying things and experiencing things. And I was really lucky. I was really taken care of in college. And I feel like I was really supported in my experience there, even though, you know, it was not a diverse space. I feel like a lot of people really believed in me and I had amazing mentors that grounded me and, and gave me a lot of space to create my own work, which I think is what made it so fulfilling because if I had been fast tracked on some sort of, this is how you have to be to make it. I just never thought I would make it other than make things, you know? And so because I was kind of naive, actually, I, I think I just led with a lot of fearlessness. And now I find myself feeling, even when we shot everything everywhere, I, I, I didn't even process that it was the Michelle Yeoh, the Jamie Lee Curtis, the Ki Kwan, you know? I was just like, oh, I love making things with my friends. And now I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. How was I not like freaking out every single day, you know? Um, but I think my coping mechanism is just to uh, be fearless in some ways. That's that's how I combat my fear is just to go the go to the other extreme. 
I like that way of thinking. I could take some of that and bottle it up and apply it to my own work. <laughs> um, all right. So post-school now, you have this experience, you're studying at NYU and, you know, the school structure is kind of a, a safe, supportive environment, but then you graduate and, you know, you're pushed out into the world. What was the key to bridging the gap between the safe school environment and starting to book your first gig? So, you know, you can make a living and feel like you're getting a, a good first start into a career. Yeah. Well, I graduated um, school a little bit early because I, I w already started working in the downtown theater scene. And I almost didn't even go to my graduation because I had rehearsal. Um, and But then I was asked to carry the flag for Tish. And so I was like, okay, well, if they're asking me to carry the flag, I should probably go to my own graduation. Yeah, I, I, I sort of just started working right away. But again, I, I never saw a path for me in the commercial sphere of like films and TV and even Broadway. Um, and so I was bartending. I worked, I was teaching. I worked all different odd jobs just to do these very like experimental pieces. And um, my first job actually was... Uh, on this show called Girl Code. And it was really random. I didn't have representation at the time, but a manager had seen me do something at a theater festival called Williamstown. And he just like sub blind submitted me. I had never met him and he just like submitted me. Um, and I just ended up doing that show. And a similar thing happened where I didn't, I actively didn't want representation at the time. And, um, there was a casting director who had seen me in something and he invited me to do a table read in the Viacom building for a potential SpongeBob musical. Um, and so it was just like a group of actors, they just needed extra voices to read through the, the dummy script and they didn't even know if they wanted to develop it. And fast forward to, I ended up um, being a part of that project for six years helped develop it and then got a call one day that was like, hey, do you want to come to Broadway? And I had never, ever seen that as a possibility for myself. And I was like, yeah, I, I would love to try. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think again, it. I'm very lucky in the sense of I always worked really hard, but I never... Um, I never thought of the industry as a climb. And I think that really has served me because what I wanted to do was always just to make things with people that I love and respect. And that has opened up so many doors for me that I, I honestly just never even knew were available to me. So to back up, I have a feeling that mentality feeds into this. But did you say that early on you didn't even want representation? Because that's that's always a thing where it's like, I, like, I need to find it. I need to find those people to shuttle me into my first projects. But that wasn't something you even wanted. Yeah, I, you know, I was already working in the theater space. And at that time, I just thought that that was going to be my thing to make like really low paying jobs doing really weird things. And, and I loved it and it was exciting, but also to be honest, I think in hindsight, I remember actively thinking that I didn't want representation because I felt like if I was to enter the TV and film space, that there were no parts for me that would actually embody all that I was capable of. I didn't want to do things that were very stereotypical and again, you know, it's so wild because right now we're in such a different moment. But when I was coming up, there was no crazy rich, rich Asians. There was no anything. There was not even fresh off the boat. You know what I mean? And so I just didn't want to 
be put into that position that I was put in in that um, audition room where I was being asked to do an accent. And so I think I just avoided it altogether. And um, yeah. I, I can understand that approach. And, and then you didn't avoid it. And like, look at look at what you're bringing out to the world right now. Like hearing you describe that and thinking about what you just accomplished in particular and everything everywhere, just like it makes my heart explode and it gives me more faith than ever in this industry. And we need it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, the it's been so wild because the way that I got involved with everything everywhere was a very similar thing where... I worked with the Daniels on an episode of Nora from Queens. um, And I just fell. That's actually one of my other favorite audition stories is I walked into the room, met the Daniels for the first time, and we just kept giggling the whole time. And Daniel Shiner tells the story where he's like, I walked in, we were all giggling. And he kept thinking to himself, Stephanie, like, stop embarrassing us in front in a work setting we're not supposed to be like we we're not supposed to let them know we're friends but we had just met and so it was a really fast connection and we had so much fun on that shoot that I had finished Be More Chill finished Maisel and I was like I think I'm ready for a change and I want to go to LA because I just want to meet young creatives like them that I have fun with and I respect and I know they're out there um And so I basically followed them out to LA and within a week of me being there, they called me and they were like, Hey, we're working on this movie, no pressure. Um, but we think you'd be so amazing for this role. Um, and now it's this thing, like it's this thing, behemoth of a moment, you know, it's, it's not just a moment. This is a thing that's going to continue on. I like, I, I'm always very hesitant to throw out this word word, but like, I mean it on this one. Like this, this movie is a true masterpiece. And when you hit that kind of level, it's, it's the type of thing that does become a classic and it never goes away. Yeah. I feel so lucky because we took a big swing. All of us did. And I feel the way that people are receiving it is just so um, beautiful. It's it's like actually giving me faith of for humanity, which is so wild. But it it feels exciting that people can digest this, you know, and that they want it and they feel moved by it and healed by it. It just makes it a really exciting time to be making art. It's so true. All right. So you've already brought up Maisel a couple of times. Let's go, let's go back to that. I'm curious what your experience was like going from the path to Marvelous Miss Maisel, because I know the shows weren't that far apart, but I feel like making a streaming show in 2016 compared to making one in 2019 was completely different. So did you find that to be the case? And if so, how did the productions differ? Yeah, totally. Wow. What a deep cut. Yeah. People were like, Hulu? What's Hulu in 2016? Um, You know, I, the path was a a, kind of an amazing job for me because I had a recurring character, but I wasn't there all the time and I didn't have like a very um, big part. So I, I feel like I got to just learn on the job in a very active way. And I was working with some of the best, Aaron Paul, you know, um, and we were shooting with three cameras at once. So I feel like I, I really got to just learn how set functions and what it means to be a part of a set family and um, get to observe. And then, of course, I think it really, you know, everything always prepares you for the next thing in your life, whether it's work or, you know, 
partnership, whatever. Right. And so I think that really primed me for being able to walk onto the set of Maisel because Maisel runs such a tight ship. Amy and Dan are excellent at what they do and they are really specific, but the show works because they are excellent filmmakers, you know? Um, and so it felt, I think if I had just never worked on set before and got spat into Maisel, I would have been like, this is crazy. This is so intense. But because I had that thing under my belt, that experience under my belt, it just made it a lot easier. Um, and also I think they celebrate theater actors so much. I mean, the cast is full of some of the best theater actors in New York. And, um, we do so many of those long oneers where we rehearse from beginning to end, and then we do it in one take. And I think theater really gives you that strength, um, to be able to tell a story in a scene from beginning to end. And I think in some ways that that marriage was quite seamless. Your answer there is making me think of a question that I like to ask often. Looking back at like your very first on-screen experiences, is there any, you know, a, like a seemingly silly question about the way that films and shows were made that you were afraid to ask when you were first starting out because someone might think like, how do you not know this? That's a really great question. Um, I feel that I, I usually am pretty unafraid to not know and I'm pretty curious, so I love asking questions. But I do remember when I was shooting Girl Code, we were, so there were the comedians and then there were five of us, I think five of us who reenacted all the, the scenes and we would do really like funny, silly things. And I had done, I was in comedy when I was in college. I was in a sketch group and um, Bowen Yang was in the uh, improv group and it was, you know, we did a lot of crazy things. and you know, again, unafraid because you have nothing co to compare it to. And I remember being on the set of Girl Code and we were doing this scene and I made some crazy face. I think I was like eating a bag of chips and sitting on a couch and I was trying to, I was like sinking in the couch to be funny. And I remember the, um, the DP came over and he was like, I think you're so funny and so talented. I'm just going to tell you this that pose you're doing is not flattering and you're going to thank me for it later. And I remember at the time being like, I don't want to be one of those actors who cares how they look, <laughs> but he was completely right. And now I'm like very conscious of Stephanie, thousands of people are going to see this. Why would you purposely make your chin look like that? There are other ways to be funny, you know, and I'm starting to learn as I, as the curtain peels back, right. Um, that there are people, actors who only work with one editor who like are very specific about what angles can be used on them. And I think normal people might say that sounds crazy, but I also really have a lot of compassion for people who are, you know, at the ultra, ultra A-list because you're, you're being seen all the time and people want to take you down. And so you want to protect yourself. And I think control in how something looks is a way of self-preservation and, and protecting yourself. Obviously it's a delicate balance, but it's a, it's a crazy world. And now with social media, you know, it's intense. I definitely respect anyone who puts a lot of thought into that because uh, criticism, especially in the, the social media age can be very harsh and you gotta, you gotta have whatever armor is reasonable for you in order yeah. to power through that and keep your focus on the work. Yeah, totally. 
All right. So I love asking people about their relationship with awards they've won because like, I know this industry isn't about winning awards and getting statues, but you have a SAG ensemble award win to your name. So what was it like when that happened? And, you know, even though it's an ensemble award and not necessarily an individual one, does being recognized in that way kind of boost your confidence? I think being recognized for a best ensemble is kind of the best gift because it's like, it's all of us. That's so cool. You know, um, it was a really surreal moment. It's so funny because it seems like quite some time ago now, but I, I just remember I had just booked everything everywhere and I had just moved to LA. I had no couch, no furniture, no nothing. I was like living in an empty space. And the first thing that furnished my space was the SAG award, which was probably the most LA. <laughs> it was a very LA moment. That feels um, like such a good omen though. I love that. Yeah. No, it was really special. You know, awards, I think awards are silly only because of what it means for people and what they get to do next. I think the only bummer about awards is that it it makes making art about this pedestal that um, is very limited, actually, limited in its scope. Um, but of course, when you're being celebrated and you're a part of something that's celebrated, that's awesome. You know, like that's such a it is such an honor. And um, I, I love the Maisel family so much. And I think they are truly some of the best actors ever. I got to sit and watch it, watch Tony Shalhoub work. And I was like, this is crazy. I feel like I have front row seats to a master class. Um, so I, I feel so lucky and very humbled to be um, included in that in that family. I'm a big believer in manifesting. So that's why I'm going to say this out loud. Be prepared to indulge in more awards love in the future. I'm going to say it as many times as necessary to make it happen because it <gasps> deserves to happen for everything everywhere. Thank you. I mean it. Um, before we jump into that one full force, you know, I got to ask you about Shang-Chi. I'm curious how that opportunity came up because clearly like, like I look at you and your work and I think to myself, like you deserve like a leading role in a Marvel movie. So it did make me wonder, was that a situation where you auditioned for another role and it doesn't pan out and you get this one? No, actually what happened was, I mean, I think maybe I had at some point gone in for something else, but, um, what happened was we filmed everything everywhere before the pandemic and um, the same casting director, Sarah Finn was also casting Shang-Chi and she had already booked me on everything everywhere. And we started filming and she was like, I, I, I know this is a small part, but I just want you to, I think you'd be so great in this movie. And, you know, anytime you say yes to something like that, people are like, you should wait for something bigger. And at the time, I, I think I was just, and even still, I just wanted to be a part of what I knew was a significant cultural moment for there to be the first Asian superhero. And I had met Simu working with the Daniels on Nora's show, on Aquafina's show. I just wanted to be there to support in any way that I could. Um, so uh, we actually, even though the movie came out first, um, we shot that that scene after everything everywhere had already wrapped. So it came out in such kind of a funny, funny way. Um, 
Yeah. I feel like I'm going to rewatch that scene of you in the movie and it's going to take on new weight, just knowing your intentions behind taking on the role. I like, I like that. I appreciate that. And I feel like we don't hear that that often. Yeah, totally. Sometimes you just want to be there to support people that, you know, it's going to be an important moment for them. And what's so crazy actually is that this is my favorite story to talk about, um, with Shang-Chi is that, um, Actually, originally they were shooting that scene in Australia, but I couldn't go because we I was still in production for Everything Everywhere. And so they had to recast the role. Then the pandemic happened and then they decided to do reshoots and they wanted to reshoot that scene. So they called me and they were like, hey, if you're still available this go round, we would love to have you. And the place that they filmed that scene in L.A., was the same place that we wrapped everything everywhere. And it was just wild because the full circle-ness of it all was the exact same place, like an alleyway in downtown Los Angeles. Um, but that was just a helpful lesson too. And, you know, you sometimes can't hold on too tightly. And if it's meant to be in your corner, then it'll come back. Um, but if it's not meant to be, then it, it'll just leave you know I love that so much clearly in that case it was very much meant to be <laughs> all right everything everywhere so when you first signed on and read the whole script what were some of your biggest burning questions about the material to the Daniels because I have to imagine it's a situation where like because you're playing Jobu who essentially knows all like you yourself might need to know all about how verse jumping and, and the multiverse works, even though like, I feel like no one out there can really piece together every single ounce of that. Well, I think that because I had worked with the Daniels before, I could really hear their voice and their spirit in the script. And so oddly enough, the script wasn't as crazy as um, it might have seemed. Um, I, I really resonated with it. And it's still one of the best pieces of writing I think I've ever read. Um, and I think the burning questions, I, I just, I'm a huge philosophy nerd. And so I really wanted to deep dive into nihilism because I, I didn't, know much about nihilism at the time. And I think I was much more of in the existentialist and transcendentalist world. And so I, I had to wrap my head around this idea of that nothing matters. And I had to really kind of sink my teeth into those conversations. And that is what I was most excited to talk to the Daniels about is creating a character, creating a character that was nihilistic and then therefore depressed. And then also on the other side of that coin, creating a character that was nihilistic and therefore uh, a, a menace and a, and a villain and how to make that philosophy actually tangibly scary. You said that because you had worked with the Daniels before, you were able to kind of put into perspective what they're trying to achieve just with the script alone. But what would you say is the biggest difference between what you pictured while reading it on the page and what we wind up seeing in the final mm. cut of the film? You know, I think I remember when I watched it for the first time, I was so taken by how beautiful the fight scenes are. I think they're they're actually so poetic and of course I got to see it, but the way that they shot it and also with the Sunlux's score, just slowing down certain frames and just making it truly um, 
like a dance I was really impressed by. And you that's hard to, you know, describe on a page. And that is a testament to Paul Rogers, our editor, Larkin, our DP, the Daniels, everyone. Um, yeah. Even though I've seen the movie more than once now, there's still so many things in it that makes me think like, I don't know how you brought this to life on screen this particular way. And I'm, I'm sure there's a mile long list of examples of what I'm about to ask you, but like, what is at the top of the list in terms of moments on set where you're doing something and you're like, this feels ridiculous. I don't know how this is going to work, but then on screen in the end, it's like, it's perfect. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what was the crazy, I mean, the entrance of Jobu, that whole hallway scene was the first scene that I shot with Michelle. And I just remember at the time being so, I was so worried that I was going to freak her out. And it was, it's crazy. It's a crazy scene. It is. It's something else. That is one heck of an it. I think that is probably one of the most powerful entrances on screen I think I've <laughs> ever seen. I feel like we, we kind of touched on this a little and it feels like a big sappy question to be asking, but it's important to highlight this kind of stuff because I feel like this movie coming out and doing so well is really restoring people's faith in like non-big budget franchise blockbuster releases. And I kind of wanted to turn that idea inwards towards you. Has everything everywhere, I guess, like restored faith in your own craft in any respect or, or your own potential or, or your own look at the business overall? A hundred and seventy-five million percent. I mean, it's so crazy because I think about it now and Honestly, when we were making this film, I knew nothing. I had no concept of how Hollywood works. I just had, I got so lucky and was, I think, able to also achieve that performance because I was fearless and I was not afraid of how people would perceive me to other work because it was just my first big feature. Um, but I remember telling Dan Kwan at the time, I was like, this movie is going to bring people back to the movie theaters. And I had no idea what I was even saying because how could I possibly know? I knew nothing. But even then, I was just like, this is real art and this is wild and people are going to show up for it. And then, of course, you know, the pandemic happened, all this stuff. But the fact that th that is happening, I feel like it's giving me, you know, I I pride myself on yeah getting to do things that I care about with people that I love and taking big swings and making weird shit with a lot of heart and the fact that it worked and it, I did it with my friends is giving me a lot of permission to actually finally for the first time in my life really embrace this career path that I have fallen into, you know? And so I feel like I am really taking the reins of my artistry because I know that there's space for it, that the things that I am passionate about, people love as well. And it makes me really excited to serve, you know what I mean? Um, and offer more. Yeah, it's been really wild and very healing in a way that I am so grateful for. And it's very overwhelming, too, to, you know, put something out there that means so much to you and for people to, like, hear it 
in the literal sense and then also the cosmic sense. Um, but I also said to Daniels the other day, you know, I think all of us are very overwhelmed with gratitude. But when I dig even deeper, I know that none of this is an accident. And I say that because everyone worked so hard to make this film possible. Everyone surrendered, believed, and also we did it with so much kindness and love in our hearts. And I think that the reason why the movie works and is touching so many people is because that transference of energy, like the wholeness of the process shows. And you can feel that and there is subliminal transference that, that happens when so much love is there. I'm a big believer that that is true of certain films out there and you could feel it radiating off the screen when it happens. Totally. So looking ahead with this, with this, uh, you know, really strong force that you're rolling into your next projects with, because I've seen your name out there in the headlines quite a bit lately. So big old compound question for you here. One, is it a situation where everything everywhere comes out and like the doors blow wide open and there's so much interest and people are reaching out to you. And if that is the case, what are, what are some of your priorities at this point when you have a wealth of opportunities? What are your, what are your goals and what are your priorities in choosing the best next steps for you? Yeah. I'm, I think I'm still very much in the process of understanding what that next step even wants to look like for me. But to me, I think I'm just excited to keep doing what I've been doing, which is to work with people that I am really passionate about and finding scripts and characters that move me. And I, I'm really passionate about the why. I like to know why something is being made, especially because there's so much content and I don't watch everything. Like there's so much that it's overwhelming. So how do you choose the projects that really are able to kind of cut through or you know, have something, have a clear offering to a very damaged world. Um, I, I, I love it when art is able to give us something to hang our hat on or just hold us in a way. And I think different times call for different forms of art, but I, I do believe that right now, I know I could use a lot of healing and, and work that makes us come closer together. And um, yeah, so I think I'm excited to keep working in that vein. I think you're teaming with the right people in order <laughs> to be able to do that. Ryan Johnson, Adele Lim, like yeah. the list goes on and on. You, I'm very excited for everything coming your way right now. It's always positive. I, Yeah, Ryan is amazing. I, I love it when people are just so kind. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it is working, <laughs> you know? He's a good one. And I feel like he he is one of those ones that always prioritizes creating that that good environment on set with the right team of people. Like his team that he takes from film to film always really inspires me. A hundred percent. And it shows. It's the same thing where it's just like the the set that he runs is so collaborative and calm. Um, and he's so generous, both him and Rom and Steve. Yes. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Rom's the best. I love him too. Yeah. Um, I have already kept you too long. If you have two more minutes, we usually wrap with a second game. 
Great. Love these games. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to warn you, this game makes like no sense and it's not going to like culminate into anything, but we're going to call it my movie, my way, the everything everywhere edition. Okay. So a whole bunch of really random questions inspired by the film. So real you now in this situation, someone in your life visits you from the alpha timeline. Who is it? And what is their mission for you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So the alpha, what is the mission? The alpha verse, what is the mission? Well, I think it would be my mentor, Liz Suedos, who passed a few years ago. And she would be keeping me in check in this moment of being like, are you making art that is offering goodness to the world? You better be. Um, so I would say that she, she visits me in my dreams sometimes. And, um, I, I think she would also visit me from that alphaverse. She would also, she kind of dresses like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you can hop to three different versions of yourself to pick up skills. What skills do you go out and get? Oh, oh my gosh. I love this one. Okay. First thought was, um, I want to be an ex, I would verse jump to New Zealand and become a excellent surfer. And then I would verse jump to somewhere in the uh, Pacific Northwest or Switzerland um, and become an expert at permaculture farming, um, which is a huge passion of mine, but I'm not an expert at all. Um, so I would have a major study session and learn all the skills. And also then I would verse jump into... <laughs> so nerdy. I'm really, you're real. I'm really showing right now. I would verse jump into the mosses of the world. Um, I became really passionate about mushroom foraging, um, edible mushrooms. And so, and I'm really good at it, but there's so much I don't know. So I feel like I would, um, yeah, verse jump into the mosses of the world to become an excellent, um, mushroomer. I love how specific those answers are, but also how quickly they came to you. Very impressed by that. All right, here, here's a somewhat silly one. So somewhere out there, there, there's a corner of the multiverse where people have blank for fingers. Fill in the blank and then tell me what you think you can learn from having blank for fingers. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, as we were talking about before we started recording, my phone is propped up on a bunch of snacks in this hotel room I'm in right now. So all of a sudden I was like, what if people just had different snacks on their fingers and you would just go around munching? And I think the thing that we would learn and I need to learn is you would remember to eat when you're hungry, especially when you're in New York, you're just like going and going and going. How do you remember to stop and have a meal? Well, you wouldn't have to because you got snacks. Snacks and fingers would just make the world a happier place, too. <laughs> I think so, too. All right. Which version of yourself tempts you to stay in that universe, but then you stand strong and you embrace your home universe? Mm. You know, it's really interesting because... I've been thinking a lot about our movie and the moment where Evelyn is presented with the world of like the movie star universe and all the things she has to leave behind in order to like excel in that universe. And I feel like I am straddling both my real life and this 
movie star version. And I really just feel excited to continue to do things that I love, but still be a real human. Um, and I can really feel how I, of course, people love being movie stars. Like you get so many, you get such great treatment, you're spoiled rotten, but it's not real. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I would say. Like every time we we're done with a press tour, Daniel Shiner and I will like get together and make spaghetti and like clean dishes because we're like, we just want to be able to do things for ourselves and know that we're still people outside of this very um, exciting time and this very um, big thing that we do. That's such a beautiful answer. I love that. Spence, All right. I spaghetti. feel like that would be a nice way to take us out, but I have one more sillier question. <laughs> love it. Really silly. This could be meaningful too. After all of your verse jumping in this weird scenario that I've created for you, you collect a whole bunch of things about those alternate realities that inspire you and you put them on the food of your choice. <laughs> what food do you choose? Wait, I put all the, all the, I have little nuggets from all the universes and then I put them on a food. We're basically making a, a like a positive everything bagel right now. Okay. 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 Great. <laughs> I don't think I'm answering this question right. But, I don't think um, there's a right answer to a right answer to this question at all. It feels like it's a poke bowl, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> I mean, it I think does. poke bowls are basically, you know, a deconstructed everything bagel, sort of. <laughs> okay, I can definitely buy that, and I can picture it. It all makes sense. None of, I mean, a lot of this actually made sense. You made sense of my really wacky game here, and I'm very impressed right now. <laughs> Thank you. I must let you go. Huge, huge, huge congratulations on everything, everywhere, all at once. I hope I get the opportunity to say that to you many times over the next couple of months and beyond. So enjoy the ride and I can't wait to see what comes next. Thank you so much. And thank you for all your really thoughtful questions. And I really appreciated that. It was just really fun. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.